the alleyoops at Kizar to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show. This is going to be a good one because we're going to be talking about 49ers players that are on the bubble to make the roster. And there's a bunch of players because there's a ton of competition. If you've been following our training camp battle videos, you see there's a lot of guys that are either in or out, depending on if they win their battle. Uh, very true. They could be in, they could be out. If you've been watching other content creators, you're watching John Chapman, then you, then you know what he's feeling about a lot of these guys on this roster and where he's putting some of these players. And so I'm having a Tarverius Moore pretty high up there. And this is a guy who's, <laughs> would be on the bubble. I don't think uh, John's feeling the same way we are about that, but that's what perspective allows. It's what uh, different interpretations, different feelings on these players allows is different ways to construct this roster. And uh, listen, these bubble players are going to be the guys that make up the back end of this roster. And you're hoping, and should anything happen to your starters, are going to be guys you can count on later in the year. Yeah, I mean, extreme depth is also causing some of these bubble situations, including on the defensive line. True. How the 49ers you know, handle... Their defensive line makeup, you know, is it going to be seven edge rushers? Is it going to be six edge rushers? I think that's going to determine how many interior defensive linemen you keep. And then who's on the bubble? Uh, if you keep six guys on the outside, it could be Jordan Willis versus Kerry Hyder to see who gets that sixth spot. Both guys are very good. Hyder, I mean, in 2020, just had nine, nine <clears throat> and a half sacks for the Niners. Accurate. It's one of those things that's very interesting. And all the while, you got the interior defensive line where you got good players like Maurice Hurst and Kevin Givens who might not make this roster because there's so many good edge rushers. Uh, and look, listen, there it is stacked. It is stacked in, in a couple of positions and very deep. And then in other positions, it's a little weaker. But you know what? The Niners have gone into every season the past few years with a weakness somewhere. Somewhere there's question marks. Somewhere there's th there's things that don't necessarily add up. Last year it was the cornerback position, and you weren't very deep, and it was pretty easy to know what guys you were keeping because you didn't have a lot of names and, and a lot of opportunities. So it was going to make things harder, right, to figure out who your starters were going to be, uh, harder to, to know how good you were at that position. That's the one thing that's, that's really different about this year's roster in terms of building out. Where there's question marks, there's actually a lot of guys there, right? The 49ers, the question marks on the defense side of the ball are really just the nickel cornerback position and the opposite safety position. Well, you have a, quite a bit of safeties. You're going to have to get rid of one, maybe two, if you don't really love anything that you have there. And it's your nickel corner spot, Ant. You have so many guys that you're not going to be able to keep them right. on the offensive side of the ball. On the other side, you have the O line. That's the big question mark. And there's a lot of names and a lot of ways to fill it out. So there are plenty of opportunities and options to make this team this year and make this roster and, and to play yourself into a role. The real question is just going to be who those guys end up being and then what impact that has everywhere else in this roster. Yeah, you bring up a good point. I mean, every other year that we've been doing this, Alex, we've been talking about players the 49ers could go out and sign. True. Guys they could bring in to bolster their roster. You know, could they bring in Zach Ertz? Could they do this? Could they do that? And this year, the only one really that is hanging around is the J.C. Treader situation because we have an unproven in Jake Brendel. And Jake Brendel's situation is going to provide somebody to be on the bubble uh, because there's Keaton Sutherland that's involved in that. He could easily be a bubble guy. you got Nick Zakel, He could be a bubble guy. Um, there's a lot of players that could be bubble guys just if they lose their competition. 
This is one of the coolest things that's going to happen is this roster being broke down to 53. I feel sorry for the guys that don't make it, but man, you should look at yourself and feel good about it because you absolutely had to battle to get on this roster. This is going to be an extremely fun thing, but cutting to 90 to 53 is rough. It's going to it's gonna be extremely tough. It's going to be really difficult, and Caleb, you are correct. Ant's yeah. hat is off the charts. And saying, as a matter of fact, if you like hats, you like merch, head over to 49ersCutbackShop.com because while that hat isn't officially up yet, Ant, it will be up soon. Yes. And uh, you won't want to miss when it drops. We'll obviously let you know, but you don't want to miss when it drops. So you head over there now, start perusing that site and getting familiar with where things are. That way you can be one of the first ones to snag it. That that would be important. Uh, but look, what you just said is correct on the offensive line because if Brendel does end up being the guy there at center, that means you're not looking for another option. You're not looking for a treader. You're not looking to fill that role in other ways. And that does impact maybe necessarily how you build this roster out because as we all know, Daniel Brunskill is the utility of utility, man. And while Daniel Brunskill is not on the bubble to make this roster, what Daniel Brunskill does afford you is the ability to not have to keep a guy around that maybe you want as a backup center because you have Daniel Brunskill available and right. ready to play that role, which then puts pressure on the Spencer Burfords of the world, the Nick Zakelges of the world, right? Uh, the the Donovan West, who you brought in as an unrestricted free agent, uh, Jalen Moore, who you drafted last year and put... Now, I don't think... Jalen Moore is a bubble player. I don't no. believe that Spencer Burford is a bubble player. No. But Justin Skule, yes. Right? Colton McKivitz, yes. Nick Sakelj has to be because he was a later pick and you have so much talent on that O-line. Yeah, unfortunately, Nick Sakelj is probably going to be on the bubble and he's going to have to find a way to make this roster. I think they're going to want to keep him and it could be the reason they end up going with nine offensive linemen True. it's to make sure they don't lose spencer burford they don't lose nick sakel uh and then they can keep one of these veteran players whether that's colton mckivitz you know or uh or i'm um, going blank on justin school justin school gotcha. thank you gotcha. i don't know why i was thinking daniel brunskill not justin school well, i mean veteran presence daniel yeah. brunskill is that now because i mean with nine right you could keep like you said, Justin or Justin Skew or Colton McKivitz, one of them. One of them. Jalen Moore, we think is both gonna is gonna make the roster, and Agreed. then the two rookies with nine offensive linemen, you can do that. But it does put Nick Sakel on the on the bubble because if they for some reason decide they need to go eight, they need to keep somebody in another area. That means Nick Sakel they could have to release. Uh, I think he's gonna play really well. I really do. I think he's gonna be a tough player to get rid of. But you're right. There's some bubble players on this offensive line. You know, and a, a lot of times you you just talked about Daniel Brunskill being a center. Um, so that means Keaton Sutherland's definitely a bubble player as well. Correct. And, um, and that's the thing, yeah. too. If you think about it, if if someone like Keaton Sutherland elevates, if Sutherland elevates in preseason training camp, and, I, you know, John and I talked about this a little bit and, and messaging back and forth about this because I really wanted to pick his brain about this because he kept telling me that Keaton Sutherland is another Forrester guy who's played Forrester before, and maybe the reason they have both these guys in here is he feels one of them could be the option. Maybe one hasn't, in his mind, set, elevated over the other. Now, despite that being the case, because we've seen Jake Brendel taking all the first-team reps, and we've seen Sutherland yeah. taking mostly all the second-team reps, so it seems like there's a clear deviation. Maybe there is the shift away from the utility and wanting guys in specific positions. We talked about this yeah. in one of our line videos, specifically that maybe the Niners aren't going this route anymore of, having utility guys who can swing and play a lot of different positions. They want to have those guys on the roster and available, but they want guys having defined roles. If that's the case, then maybe Keaton Sutherland is closer to being on the 53-man roster and pushing as a backup center. That puts Zakelj in a bad spot. That puts a lot of players in a bad spot. Yeah, I think uh, Keaton Sutherland's going to be sitting in the same situation that Jake Brendel was in last Agreed. year. Agreed. Uh, you're in there behind a guy who it looks like is going to be the starter, and you got to come in and compete. And it could be with the same situation that happened with Brendel, that he's on the bubble, he ends up getting released, but ends up coming back to the team at some point, True. depending on True. how they build this roster. 
But I, I just think with all the really good offensive linemen that they have this year, they have to figure out a way to keep nine of them. Uh, working it out a certain way, having only five wide receivers means you can't afford yourself the opportunity to keep nine offensive linemen while still keeping 11 defensive linemen, which we know is the goal. Um, so, yeah, and you see, you know, uh, David saying Zakel is a, a, a part of the Shanahan redshirt project. The problem is, is you you have to, in order to redshirt him, you have to be able to hold on to him. This isn't college where yeah. you draft a guy and then you get to be like, hey, you know what? We don't think you're quite ready yet. You're going to put this redshirt on and go to the practice squad. No, you have to cut him. You have to release him, barring some sort of injury. Now, we have joked about this also. The mysterious injury towards the end of training camp, maybe something like that happens with Sakelch. Yeah, it could. And what's up, Warren? How's it going? We see Mr. Corey, you know, filling up chat with who he thinks are going to be guys that are on the bubble. Uh, in fact, he's saying, peace, get out of here. Peace, deuces to Jermichael Hasty, yeah. deuces to Diamond Lenore. That would be shocking. Yeah, and I think those are some things, uh, those are guys we're definitely going to be talking about uh, because I do think they're they're on the bubble just because of the depth of their position. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, this offensive line and this red shirt situation is going to be interesting because, yeah, you you red shirting someone is great. It's wonderful. Having the roster spot to do so is necessary. And the 49ers depth has gotten better and better and better because of the red shirt plan that they've had over the years. And now maybe they're out of spots. We're going to see because if one of these guys uh, gets released, they're going to get pounced on by a Seattle Seahawks and Arizona Cardinals. Rams because their depth at their offensive line is just not that good. Having a nice young player, especially one like Nick Zakel, means he can play all five positions. I don't think the 49ers can afford to release him because I think they'll lose a really good talent. Uh, you, you were right. You are going to lose a really good talent. And here's the thing. With, with the roster you've put together, you have a lot of talent in a lot of spots. You're very deep. Um, and the reality is is that you're going to lose some talent somewhere. Yeah. The question is, is what positions do you want to lose it, and then who are the likeliest teams that are going to try and snag them up, and are they teams that you could inadvertently help? Right. You, you have to you have to contemplate that and put that in the back of your head. You have to make the best roster for yourself, but you don't want to inadvertently create a monster on the other side that you have to face. You're right. You are so right. I mean, you you really have to be careful with how you handle your roster. Um, and that's where they're going to have to be careful at other positions too, Alex. So yeah. let's move on the offensive yeah. side a little bit. We we heard Mr. Corey bring up Jamichael Hasty, and I do believe Jamichael Hasty's a bubble guy. Mm -hmm. I think him, Jordan Mason, and Jeff Wilson Jr. seem to be bubble guys. Do you want to add Trey Sermon? 100%. I have to put Trey Sermon <laughs> in this category. I know there are people who don't want to put yeah. him here because he's a third-round pick, but if you're being honest about what he is in this system— what he's proven, what he's shown, yeah, he's a bubble guy. He has to be a bubble guy. He hasn't proven that he can be a reliable running back for you. He hasn't proven that he can even stay healthy. Um, he, he hasn't proven that the, the coaching staff trusts him. If, if there was a sense of trust and the issue last year was health for him and just early on not being a scheme fit, and by the end of the season, you know, like for a perfect example, Ant would have been playoff game. Yeah. If it were Trey Sermon that was going out there in pass down situations and not Jamichael Hasty then there'd be this idea of it's obvious that there is a shift here. They've shifted. There's a guy that they really, really love and they really like, and they think the, they think is grown. That isn't the case. We, we didn't see that shift. In fact, we saw Jermichael Hasty every time that he would go down and get hurt, make a mistake, whatever, getting opportunities and ample chances to make up for those things while Trey Sermon was injured, not really being rushed back. Ah, we don't know where his health's at. Ah, we're not going to yeah. rush this. It doesn't feel like he's necessarily a favorite, a, a favorite yeah. of the coaching staff. I know there's people talking about Shanahan has favorites, Kyle has favorites, the team has favorites, the coaching staff has favorites. They talk about this all the time. In this case, I think he is not beloved by this coaching staff. I think they expected more. They haven't gotten more, and that's why TDP was brought in. 
Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of times people think that coaches have favorites because they rely on those people. Mm -hmm. But really what it comes down to, and Alex, you coaches a long time, you understand, when you have a player that you can count on, of course you're going to turn to them when the when the biggest moment happens because you know they can get it done. Yep. It's less about favorites and more about dependability, knowing that that person can get it done when the biggest moment strikes. Proven commodity. It is. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that Sermon's got to Got to show the coaching staff that he can do. I think in that room, there's only three locks. I think it's Elijah Mitchell, of course, TDP, because he just got drafted as yep. a, a third-round pick. Um, and then Kyle Juszczyk. I think those are the, the guys that you're going to count on being there in that room. And I think everyone else is kind of battling for their spot. I mean, there's no guarantees for Jeff Wilson Jr., you know, Trey Sermon. I, I think Sermon... They're going to look at him as still like he's a third round pick. So he's going to have some sort of advantage. He's going to get a run. He's going to get right. He's going to get more opportunities to prove himself than Jermichael Hasty will. Yeah. And I think if, if he, if he does struggle though, they will release him if they have to, if they're afraid of, you know, releasing another really good player, like maybe Jordan Mason shows out or Jermichael Hasty has himself another really good preseason. I think they would. I don't think they want to though. I think they want this room, you know, to come down to Jeff Wilson Jr. For, versus Jermichael Hasty. Um, who wins that job ultimately makes his team and then take Jordan Mason and put him on the practice squad. I think that is what they want for this roster. Best case scenario. Best case scenario, because we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you don't know if somebody's going to get injured, you know, somebody's something's going to happen to one of these players. And I know no one likes to talk about injuries, but they're a real part of the game. Uh, so I think that those are bubble players. And so the 49ers have a lot of bubble players in the running back room. And that's, yeah, I was going to say, that's, that's, that's already a lot of bubble players on the roster. That's just one room, though. And that's one room and a handful of guys that could all stake a claim. I think Jordan Mason's is the hardest one to stake here, a claim for a spot in the running back room. And if Jordan Mason's smart, he's pushing for that. Yeah. But understanding that a success for him this year would be getting to the pra practice squad. If he's someone the Niners value enough to put on that practice squad, that is a huge plus and positive because Kyle Shanahan has done a lot with undrafted free agent running backs in right. his time in the NFL. Uh, if you're a running back, has an undrafted free agent who's coming in, gets to be a part of San Francisco's training camp, put in the work, learn the system, and start to earn favor and the trust of that coaching staff, you could find yourself in a year or two or shoot halfway through the season if the, the trend with running backs in the Shanahan system not being able to stay healthy, you could find yourself in a position to change your life forever. Yeah, there's a lot to like about Jordan Mason. I mean, Jordan Mason's a big physical runner who gets you know his foot in the ground and he goes. I mean, he really does fit what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. The only problem is there's guys in front of him who fit what Kyle Shanahan wants to do and guys that have already done it for Kyle Shanahan. So they have a little bit of a heads up on that. But I do think Mason's going to get his opportunity. I think training camp's going to be fun to watch. I think preseason's going to be really fun to watch because you know Jordan Mason's going to get some time to spend. Yeah, yeah. They're probably not going to run Elijah Mitchell very much. Yeah. They're probably not going to run, you know, uh, even Juice. I mean, he's not going to get much oh, time out there on the field. Jo Josh Hockett's going to get plenty of ample yeah. opportunities to show that he's a capable fullback for the 49ers. And I, I'm curious how much we're going to see Jeff Wilson Jr. because he's been the one getting first-team reps uh, with Elijah Mitchell not practicing. I have to imagine, that th if this was last year, the answer to that question is he's getting none. He's getting no reps, and they're letting they're seeing what Sermon has, they're seeing what TDP has, they're seeing what Jamichael Hasty is. And they're going to let Jordan Mason get, get a good run, and those are the four running backs. The reality is, is after the injury last year, he's going to have to prove it. Jeff Wilson Jr. has to prove that he's still that guy. That yeah. he, he's good enough that you can move off of someone like Trey Sermon or move off of a Jamichael Hasty, and that's that can be your running back group, right? Those four with use check. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, I, I think that, that that makes a lot of sense for this room, and uh, there's going to be a lot of competition. I think our training camp you know, battle videos have really broken down into the actual battles, TDP versus Trey Sermon, yep. you know, and also Jamichael Hasty versus Jeff Wilson Jr. Those are battles that need to be won. 
it just it's it's gonna be fun and and some of these guys are on the bubble to make this roster there's probably 18 to 20 spots available on the 49ers roster that are not all the way locked down sure uh so i think it's gonna be a fun battle i mean 20 is is more than a third that's a lot that's, that's a lot, lot of that's, spots. That's, yeah. it is a butt ton and it is a butt ton um it is a lot of open opportunities and some of these guys it's gonna be special teams the special teams area and mm-hmm. what they do on special teams, what they can add on kickoff, kick return, punt, punt return, uh, PATs, field goals, whatever it may be. Those are things that are going to sell. Now, position skill players, less on PATs and field goals, obviously, than any other aspect. But in the return game, um, both as a blocker or someone going down the field to tackle, being a willing tackler. As John Lynch has told Juwan Jennings one year, you need to be aggressive, hungry, like a safety out there, hunting the ball carrier down on these kickoffs. That's going to have to be the starting point for your role, and then we build off of it from there. A lot of these guys, this is going to be their first chance and their first opportunity, especially these young guys coming in. They're going to have to show they can do that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that is a special teams is a, an avenue for players who, especially players that are even to be able to make this roster. Mm-hmm. You know, you might have to separate yourself in one of those areas. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of players, especially running backs, you know, running backs are always a big part of special teams. They can play, you know, a bunch of different spots. Um, so I think that would be a really important place for some of these teams to make the team. Uh, you know, that's right. And Big Papa, you aren't wrong there. An iron sharpens iron reference. And he also spilled out competition. Uh, he went really, really heavy with it. I, I love that, Paul. I absolutely did. Uh, but you're right. Competition all across this roster. Uh, competition, breeding, you know, better play, improved play, forcing players to elevate, can't be comfortable, no resting on laurels. And uh, you got you to gotta show me something different this year. Yeah, exactly. You know, and there's other positions, too, with bubbles on the offense. Mm-hmm. Tight end, especially. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you watched our tight end video where we went over the training camp battles, there's just so many players that are a part of it. Other than uh, George Kittle, obviously. Right. Uh, he, he's not a bubble guy. I don't think Charlie Warner ultimately is a bubble guy either. Um, I, think, I think right, right now you are correct. Yeah. I think it could always happen, right? I mean, he could. Always, he's not. He doesn't have a, a, a hold on it like it's not George a, Kittle. But. It's not a lock, right? It's not a lock, right? But Kyle Shanahan has already. He's already brought in his etcher, the guy to etch his name into stone, right? <laughs> yeah. They're they're getting the dimensions laid out, how they want Warner to look on the stone right underneath George Kittle's, but they haven't pulled the trigger yet, paid the man and said, "Go ahead and etch him on. He's he's here to stay." Um but they they're getting it all lined up and ready for it. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, he's definitely sitting in the best situation. I think the team feels comfortable with him. Yeah. And I think the whole Motivation for the offseason has to been improve the tight end room, uh, but mainly to improve the third tight end spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Croft, I, I I think he's a bubble guy, even though I think he has the inside track. Him and Dwelly are bubble players, of course. Uh, Fumagalli, Tanner Hudson, Jordan Matthews, um, all those guys are bubble players. That's five bubble players in that one room. They're all competing for one spot. Uh, it's going to be survival of the fittest in the tight end room. Only one guy will win. Unless Charlie Warner uh, gets overtaken. Like if Croft, for instance, was to overtake Charlie Warner, that would put Warner in danger of maybe losing his position battle to another one of these guys. True. Uh, so it's going to be a fun battle to watch. And there's a lot of uh, guys on the bubble. Uh, it, it would be. Um, I think the best case the scenario for San Francisco would be Tyler Croft elevating himself into the tight end two category and Warner being three. I think that's the best the yeah. best case scenario for San Francisco. Um, the most unlikely, but the ultimate case scenario would be Jordan Matthews somehow elevating himself into tight end, into the tight end three room in the category because it allows you so many things. But in order to do that, he's going to have to be able to match Charlie Warner's ability to block. And I just don't know how that's going to be the case. So if he can match at the very minimum, the bare minimum, Ant, if he can match somewhere close to, let's say, uh, Tyler Croft, so what he's been able to do as a blocker. If Tyler Croft doesn't set the world on fire in the blocking category, 
but he's not a liability. If Jordan Matthews doesn't set the world on fire, but isn't a liability out there on the football field as a blocker, then this competition gets very, very tight because then it comes down to, again, philosophy. What do you believe in Kyle Shanahan at your tight end room? What do you need there? Do you need the Robin to George Kittle's Batman in terms of being able to go out there and execute in the blocking category? Maybe not the same level as Kittle, but good enough. And then being able to open up the pass game, is that important to you? Because if so, Jordan Matthews becomes a very enticing possibility. But if you need your tight ends to be able to help establish that run game, make sure they are dominant in that area and category. And if you lose a little bit on the back end in the receiving category, it is what it is. If that's the most important thing and aspect, Jordan Matthews is going to have a very hard time cracking this roster, as will a guy like Fumagalli. Not because I don't think he can get it done or do it, because it's not proven. Right. I, I you know, you, you're making a lot of good points there. I really do think you are. You went through and and laid it out well. And I think part of the reason that this tight end room is is so interesting is because we've seen Kyle Shanahan go out and he gets players that have a certain set of skills. Right. He likes guys that do a certain thing, and then he puts them in that sort of situation. Jordan Reed was one of the perfect examples of that. He saw a guy yeah, that doesn't block very well, uh, but he can be used as a power slot he could be used in a lot of avenues to use his big body against matchup issues with linebackers and safeties and he liked that and so he went that way and so when Kyle Shannon's looking at different players and that's why you brought in Ray Ramble Cloud Danny uh Danny Gray but also Jordan Matthews is you're looking at oh could there be something a way for me to use these guys and the whole time we've been arguing that yeah the tight end room though needs some guys that can do both they can block and they can go ahead and go for a pass because when it came down to it Ross Dwelly became some somewhat of a liability in the blocking department and Charlie Warner hasn't developed fully as a pass catcher. Mm -hmm. So we need guys that can do both. Could Croft be that guy? I think he could. That's why I think ultimately him being the most likely to fill the spot next to Charlie Warner makes a lot of sense. But how are the 49ers going to see it? Because if Kyle Shannon decides that he wants a specific role, like even a Jordan Matthews, and says, you know what? I want a power slot this year. Warner can handle two tight end two goals, but I want a big body tight end that I can put in the power slot situation when George Kittle is out. That could give Jordan Matthews an edge to be able to have an opportunity to make this team. It very well could. Uh, I, I loved here, uh, Ant, I'm jealous of your John David Crow jersey from Lou. It's absolutely <laughs> solid. But speaking of 44 and Kyle Juszczyk, I wanted to pose it to you because I have been thinking about it a little bit. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm wondering, in a world where Josh Hockett world. Uh-huh. elevates to a point where Kyle Shanahan feels like, hey, man, it would be absolutely incredible to have this guy on the football field as the lead blocker and put Kyle Yushik in some very interesting situations, sort of an H-back sort of look, or even lined up a tight end at times. Would we see a Josh Hockett sneaking onto this roster and Kyle Yushik shifting into more of a tight end-esque role? And while the Niners shifted away from two tight end sets last year, they load into power sets with Hockett on the field, Kyle Yushik and George Kittle. I mean, I never want to put it past Kyle Shanahan. And then you got Chris Forster coming in with Correct. his opinion. So I'm not going to discount this. I just wonder... How much better do you think Hockett would be at blocking than Charlie Warner coming from the fullback position? This is what I don't know. I don't know the answer (laughs) to that question. And and this is one of those things where Hockett's been around for so long. At some point, he's got to be trying to push his way into a different situation or at least an opportunity to make a team. Now, the problem has always been in the NFL, especially lately, fullbacks, not important to teams. Teams don't have them, but there are teams that are starting to dabble back into this, and Seattle might be one of those teams that may be looking for more fullback options, and I know there's a couple of other teams that have teased and tossed around this idea of getting back to having a fullback and two-back, traditional two-back sets, and I just wonder. I I wonder if there's any opportunity to make that a reality, because it does really feel like Josh Hockett is just 
there in case Kyle Juszczyk goes down, and that's it. That's the only role he plays. Yeah, you're right. I think Hockett is just a guy that's there in case Kyle Juszczyk, uh, he gets hurt or whatever. But it's interesting that Hockett is still around. I know they're high on Hockett. They yep. like him. But you're just never going to get on the field as long as you play behind Kyle Juszczyk. Yep. And the whole time, if I'm Hockett, I'm looking over at the offensive line and hoping that Poe doesn't come my way. That's because if Jason Poe moves over to the fullback room, it could be sayonara for Josh Hockett and hello 300-pound fullback. Because if you want somebody to move and you want a, a guy to go full speed, I mean, I, I like Josh Hockett, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say Jason Poe's a better blocker uh, overall man-to-man than Josh Hockett. I'm, I'm uh, going to say you're probably right. Yeah, the question will be, can he do it in space? <laughs> True. Uh, that, that'll be something to watch. You mean but... to tell me blocking in space is different than blocking a lineup straight in front of you? Absolutely. Whoa. Yeah, it's, Whoa. it's tremendous. Whoa. That's, that's why I always kind of laugh a little bit when people talk about how trash Daniel Brunskill is, and then you see Brunskill get to the second level and make an absolutely great block where he maneuvered himself to get between the man and the running back and make it just a fantastic block and as people will be like yeah but he sucks at pass block and it's like yeah but we never would have got you know, do you know you know how many guys can do what he just did right there right that, that other thing there are a lot of people who can't do that and suck at pass yeah, blocking. I, I think sometimes we got to respect what they do really well not every offensive lineman can be trent williams and do everything right all the time kind of i wish they could eh? i wish they could too <laughs> they could. you know what we couldn't do afford them no uh you know what i mean and they're actually, all gonna be making hundreds of millions of dollars each player usually has a weakness you know what i mean if they're not a all pro player they have a weakness and you have to learn to live with those weaknesses and take advantage of their strengths so the foreigners have decided we want run first offensive linemen and that's what they keep getting I mean, it's not changed. Spencer Burford, yep. Nick Zakel are bullies at the at the running game. So I think that's just what happens. Uh, I would agree with you. The the outlier has been, uh, honestly been uh, Donovan West. Donovan West yeah. was a, was a, a sort of an outlier kind of guy because uh, he fires out a little bit higher. He's not necessarily dominant in that in that run game. And in fact, one of his biggest strengths coming out of college was screen game. Yeah, some stuff in the past that he was actually most successful at. Yeah, and just to throw this out there, because everyone's commenting on the jersey, this is actually touchdown Tommy Vardell. There you go. Uh, just kidding. It's touchdown uh, Tommy Vardell. It's not Yushek. <laughs> it's it's not it's not uh, Ratman. Ratman. It's it's not any of the names that have been listed in chat. It's not John David Crow. It's a uh, touchdown I, I, Tommy I, I Vardell. I can't believe you went with touchdown Tommy <laughs> Vardell, dude. I can't even can't even wrap my head around touchdown Tommy Vardell. And dropping the knowledge there <laughs> all over you, chat. You're welcome. Uh, but look, it, you move from tight end room and, and that situation there yeah. to you, you can't really move to the wide receiver position, in all honesty, because the reality is there really isn't a bubble situation at the wide receiver position. I think you and I both believe it's five guys, it's those five guys, and everyone else is just getting ready to hopefully impress to make the practice one. Yeah, put some good film out there. Maybe you can get on with another team, uh, show out on special teams. I think that's the avenue that a couple of them may have the opportunity to make the team would be special teams. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not even willing to put them on the bubble. I know. I, I just don't think I think we're in fully full agreement that no wide receiver right now is on the bubble because the five guys are set. Those are the guys that are going to make it true. And you want to keep nine offensive linemen. So. You don't want to keep more than five wide receivers. Uh, very, very true, Ant. Uh, look, quarterback position, some people could make an argument, and uh, maybe I'll be the one who makes the argument right now because the reality is Jimmy Garoppolo is still here. So Sudfeld. Sudfeld would be on the bubble. I'm not going to put Brock Purdy in this category. He isn't making this roster this year. No. Nate Sudfeld, by all appearances, then paying him $2 million meant that he was your backup quarterback. But with Jimmy still being in San Francisco now, who knows? The Niners may be... Losing money here either way, uh, no matter which way they go with this, uh, 
is Sudfeld actually on the bubble to make this roster ant or is Jimmy getting dealt before we get to that point? I mean, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what's going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo's situation. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm, it's kind of one of those things now where I see the information come out, you know, continuously. I mean, there was the report, the erroneous now report mm. uh, from Dan Celio that he was going to be traded to Tampa Bay or Tampa Bay was trying to work out a deal. Oh. Um, the actual information that came out from it was that, the Tampa Bay had internal conversations about it when Tom Brady was retired about the possibility of bringing Jimmy Garoppolo to Tampa Bay. Of course, that didn't work out. Um, would they like him to be the heir apparent to Tom Brady? Maybe, but they don't have to trade for him to make that happen. They could wait until next year when he's a free agent and bring him in. So the whole report ends up falling apart. Uh, so I don't know what's going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo, but as of right now, he's on the roster, and I'm going to comment on him being on the roster right now. So as a roster spot, he would not be on the bubble to make this roster. That would Put Nate Sudfield on the on the bubble because Jimmy Garoppolo is still there. Because in no world is Nate Sudfield a better backup quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. In no world, Ant. In no world, everything you just said is a hundred percent the truth, a hundred percent accurate. In no world is that reality. It will never be reality. If Jimmy Garoppolo is on this roster, it's him and Trey Lance, and then it just becomes if you're Kyle Shanahan. What is the plan? What is the future plan? Because the whole purpose for the 49ers paying. Nate Sudfeld $2 million was because someone valued him out there and was willing to pay him that money, which would mean if you try and cut him and sneak him to the practice squad, that that same team may scoop him up as a backup option for their football team. And yeah. So can you risk that? Can you actually risk that? And that then forces you to keep a third quarterback. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it, it could. And if that happens, could you lose a, a now another you, talented? Now you lose an offensive lineman. Yes. You lose a defensive lineman. I think that is a big fear for the 49ers. I think, you know, you don't want to lose Nate Sudfeld. You, and that's the thing. If you keep Jimmy Garoppolo into the year, you run the risk of losing Nate Sudfeld. Um, and then <clears throat> what do you got at the quarterback position if you decide to trade Jimmy Garoppolo? You're going to have to either call up Brock Purdy or have another option. Yeah, you are going to have to have another option. Is Josh Johnson available? We know that's been a go-to. Um, you know, He got some snaps last year in New York with the yeah. Jets, with those Jets, and so he's in the system already. Yeah, could you in, could you entice you know, as somebody to come out of retirement, maybe. I mean, you could po- probably do that. Oh. Um, it's it's interesting, though. Interesting. I, I really do think it's interesting. Um, but until the Jimmy Garoppolo thing gets kind of figured out, I don't I don't think uh, we know exactly who's going to make it there. So there are some bubble players. I don't think Brock Purdy's on the bubble because I don't think he has a chance to make the team. But yeah. I think Nate Sudfeld has to be considered bubble until we know what happens with Jimmy. Uh, it's very true. He's bubble until then. Anta and Lou, do you really think Jimmy wants to stay on this team as Trey's backup? No, no. way. Who wants to be a backup? No one. Ever. Well, except for maybe Moran. Uh, Alex Moran, though. You know what, though? It's all about the triple trickle down. It's all about the trickle down banging. That's that's Jesus Christ. Alex Moran is probably the only only person fictional person that has ever wanted to be a backup in freshman year. Alex. Yeah. Sasania. This this Alex. Yeah. Freshman year for basketball. Because I was scared crapless of playing high school basketball. But that's that's beside the point. Uh, no professional. Yeah. Uh, no person who was on the professional stage wants to be the backup. They want to be the guy out there doing his job for his team. Uh, so, no, Jim, Jimmy doesn't want to stay on the team and be a backup, but it also comes down to options. Yeah. What your best options are um, and, and your future, right? If he be- if Jimmy believes his best option and opportunity to be a starting quarterback in the league going forward would be to stay on in San Francisco and be a backup quarterback for a team that could win a Super Bowl, and if his number got called, did something for this team to help them get that, then he will make that choice and make that decision. 
that that's going to be barring a team, another team not calling his name and, and this is his number essentially. Yeah, I mean he has to find an open spot. You know, I mean there has to be an open spot out there. I mean he could end up if they, you know, he got released. I think he would think Seattle would be an appealing situation for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could go there and be a starting quarterback. Um, but other than that, there's not a lot of options out there. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't want to be a backup quarterback. He wants to be a starter. He'll take less money to be a starter. I don't know if he'll take less money to be a backup. I think that would be a perfect situation for the Niners. Uh, I don't think it's going to go ultimately that way, though. No. Um, so hopefully we'll get some sort of resolution before training camp or around training camp beginning Ideally. on what's going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo. Or, like Kyle Shanahan said, if he's on the roster, I expect him to be at practice. So we're going to see. We're, we'll see. And maybe number 10 will be out there. Who knows? We'll find out, and uh, only time will tell in this situation and, and what's going on and what yeah. happens there. But uh, again, in time, in time. So now we can shift. We can finally shift, Ant, from the offensive side of the ball to the defensive side of the ball. And you have to start with your front four because it's the identity of the defense. Also, it's where the most questions lie because of not just who, but how many guys they have you know the Niners are keeping at least 11 of these guys yeah if they could keep 13 they would keep 13 if it were possible I don't believe it can be so who are the guys that you're thinking immediately come to mind that are bubble guys I think on the defensive line, I think Jordan Willis and Kerry Hyder are de- are bubble players. Fair. Uh, I think they're in a competition to potentially get a sixth spot on the edge. That is normally how the 49ers have broke down their defensive line with six edge rushers, five interior guys. At least that's what they did last year. If they go with the same thing, those two guys could be in a battle to see who gets the roster spot. If it's the other way and they keep four interior defensive linemen, that's when it comes down to Kevin Givens uh, against uh, Maurice Maurice Hurst. And I think that one would be interesting. So it all depends. If they keep seven edge rushers, Hyder and Willis both make the team. If they don't, one of them could be gone. Uh, Yeah, I I think that's that's definitely the case there. I I do think the Maurice Hurst, Kevin Givens... Comp battle, camp camp battle, comp battle, Jesus Christmas, <laughs> camp battle um, is a real thing. I think if uh, they don't see what they want to see out of those two right. uh, in particular, um, they're, they're going to pick one, one of the two. If they're not seeing something that makes them go, we have to keep both of these guys around. These are the best options for us to building this D-line the way we want to build it. Um, they won't keep both. They will move off of one, and they will maybe even trade one. They potentially could trade one to try and get some capital. Maybe it's something they do in a deal with, with Jimmy Garoppolo. Who knows? I don't know what it would be. Um, but the reality is is that neither one of those guys is set on this roster. Neither one of them has a spot locked up. They're both proving it. Um, Givens' contract proves that, as well as Maurice Hurst. He's taking a vet a minimum exemption salary. He's not getting paid a lot of money. There's not a lot of money on the Niners' books that counts against the cap. So he is not solid or set in this position. Um, and that does leave and open a lot of questions because there's also D Ford on the other side, who is still on this roster, still active, not been cut, despite the Niners saying that they didn't see a path to a future with D Ford on this roster. Okay, I mean, words are just words until action comes into play. And you can say that all you want, but until you actually pull the trigger on D Ford, I mean, in theory, he could come in, be healthy, and make the roster, which would throw everything into a loop, because what do you do then? Because now there's someone who we believe would be a lock at the DN spot yeah. that no longer is. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with D Ford. I think this is one of the most interesting things. Uh, my guess would be, that he's still trying to pass a physical, and maybe he hasn't passed it yet. If or he, passed, he secretly has passed a physical. If he secret, well, that's the thing, right? We don't know. We don't know. If he, they, they said he was coming in for one, and right. they didn't update anybody on how that went. Nope. They were just like, oh, oh, well, no one needs to know. Uh, 
yeah, we don't know what's going to happen with D4. I'm hoping that comes to resolution before we get to training camp. Um, but if it doesn't, I'm sure we'll hear from Kyle Shanahan about that. Because, Are you sure? Yeah, I, I would think somebody's going to ask, right? Somebody's got to ask, hey, where's D4? Why isn't he here? Unlo- Why hasn't he been released? What's going on? I mean, I would say yes, but the Jimmy the Jimmy situation has everyone enthralled. I think more people are enthralled with that. It could... I don't know how it could, but it could, in theory, slip under the radar if people are so enthralled with what this means that Jimmy's still here that they just forget about D Ford because D Ford has his time in San Francisco other than 2019 has been forgettable. He hasn't been healthy. He's yeah. not been able to stay on the field. People may just think that no word on D Ford means D Ford's not around, and maybe that's what it means, but it also could mean that Maybe this is going to be the surprise of training camp. I don't know. Yeah, I think somebody would will ask it because there's one thing that reporters love more than anything is injury news. Oh, that's true. Uh, I mean, you you can you could be the the guy who hasn't played for two years and they're going to ask about how your big toe is feeling, you know, because you did a slight limp. I mean, they're just about it. I mean, that's one of the things you know you're going to get is injury information. And I, I'm glad because it, it does give us insight on what's going on with some of these players. Um, that's why and it was in direction. Too, it, yeah, in direction. So I think we'll get some sort of idea. Uh, but we might not get a full idea of what D Ford is gonna, what's gonna happen with him until maybe he passes the physical. Maybe Kyle will just say that hey, he hasn't passed the physical, um, so there's no movement on that, and they'll have to figure out how to, to, you know, get that done before training camp is over. That's true. It could, it could just be simply that. It also could just be the front office on vacay right now. They haven't, uh, <laughs> haven't had time to to really sit down and look through the numbers and figure out how they're gonna go about handling this, whether cutting him or come into some sort of injury settlement or whatever it may be. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think, Lou, when it comes down to it, the reason they're wanting him to pass the physical uh, is so they can work out the money. And and it could also be that maybe D Ford hasn't decided yet uh, if he's going to retire. And maybe he's saying, hey, if I can get cleared, I don't want to retire. If I can't, I'll go ahead and retire. And with the way that he's worked with True. the 49ers, with the two restructuring in the last two years, I'm sure the 49ers want to do the best they can for D Ford uh, because they appreciate the help that he's given them. It's not It's not his fault that his body betrayed him. Uh, and their player, you know, John Lynch played in the league for a long time. He understands what that means. So I think they're going to do right by D Ford, and D Ford's done right by them. Correct. And and this is the thing too that can't get lost in all of this with D Ford. And this is something that a lot of people tend to either ignore, tune out, or um, aren't just aren't thinking clearly about. And and that is the fact that D the D Ford's injury is not due to like irresponsibility. It's not D Ford going out and doing things that he shouldn't do away from the football field, and he ends up with this injury that destroys his career, ruins his life, and makes you sit there and go, man, I can't believe we paid money to this guy who was completely irresponsible, didn't care about the game, his craft, his job, any of that. No, he he got hurt from this game. Like He put his body on the line for this game, and his body has not necessarily responded the way other people's bodies has responded to playing this brutal, physical, violent game of football that we all love. Um, And that makes this game so special because people put it on the line constantly. And and sometimes these kind of things happen and and sometimes you can overcome them and sometimes it gets the better of you. Um, But that's that's part of the nature of what football is. It's part of the the nature of what makes the game uh, so enthralling and enticing to a lot of people is is what you have to sacrifice in order to accomplish the goals you want to accomplish. Um, Sometimes it pays dividends and sometimes it doesn't. It takes a heavier toll than than it should and and then than it does for most. In D Ford's case, that's exactly what's happened. That can't get lost on people. This isn't a situation where D Ford has taken advantage of anyone. He's been upfront and honest with San Francisco from the start about what his lingering issues have been and what they are. And at the end of the day, the Niners took a chance and a risk on a guy that they believed in that they thought was special and 
could get over the hump and stay healthy. And for a year, Ant, he did. And it was great and it was phenomenal. And it hasn't worked out since. Yeah, the defensive line is just different with D Ford. You know, a healthy D Ford, that edge presence uh, coming off the edge. I, I think he would have, you know, it's just like Mr. Corey said, he's the second best defensive lineman when healthy. True. The problem is he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And now they've had to go other ways. And Alex, I was going to ask you about another player. Ooh. Um, wondering if he's on the bubble. And that's Kamoko Ture. Um, because Kamoko Trey, when they signed him, it, it seemed like a great pick. And then all this are a great pickup. And then all of a sudden they got Drake Jackson in mm-hmm. the draft. Could that have, I, would they have signed Kamoko Ture if they knew they were going to be able to get a player like Drake Jackson? Yeah. Okay. One specific reason. <laughs> I don't think their skill sets are the same. I don't, I don't think that what, the, what they're going to be asked to do is the same. Uh, and all honesty with the Kamoko Ture, not the Kamoko Ture signing, but the Drake Jackson signing signals to me is, Someone like Kerry Hyder becomes a little bit more expendable. Someone like Jordan Willis becomes a little bit more expendable. And if Charles Amenehu doesn't develop you where you want, maybe Charles Amenehu is expendable. It also could just be simply this. The 49ers are very good about building things and building future decisions for the future. And getting guys behind and letting them develop, get to where they need to be, and become the players they need them to be a year or two down the road, it could just be the eventual Samson Ebucom replacement. Not anything else more than that. Just... A two-year down the road, and for right now, he can play in a rotational role while he gets familiar and comfortable, and then when it's time to pay Samson Ebby come here in the next year or so, when that number gets ridiculously bloated and big, maybe we do this. Maybe we pay him a lot and have this very incentive-laden contract that allows us to pay him, guarantee him some money early, and then get off of that in a year or two once Drake Jackson's ready. Yeah, you know, and Mr. Corey's saying Teray is faster than Drake Jackson. And, and don't get me wrong, I love Teray. I'm just having a conversation about this. I think Teray's first step is fantastic. I think there's a lot of ability there. Um, but when I'm looking at it, I see Drake Jackson as a developmental player, somebody that you know a lot of people would put into Kyle Shannon's redshirt program. Um, while they're doing that on the D-line, though, for Chris Kacerik, you have to go out and produce. So you have to find a role for Drake Jackson. And right now, with the way he plays against the run, he's got to be a situational pass rusher. <laughs> so finding another role uh, or another player that fits that role is Kamoko Ture. He's a situational pass rusher for the 49ers. How many situational pass rushers can the 49ers keep? Can you have too many? I don't think you can from my <laughs> point of view, uh, but I just wonder what that does you know, to them. So let me ask you, with the most likely scenario you see, because I would agree with you, both guys are situational pass rushers, is the most likely scenario a Torrey-Drake-Jackson pairing where you have Torrey and Drake Jackson on one side with Armstead and Bosa, or even something like Ebucom Bosa, where you have two guys throwing in on the interior at times and, and doing some stuff there where Drake Jackson can move on to the inside and play a little bit more that Arden Key role, or at least tease around with it. Yeah, that might be a smart move to throw Drake Jackson inside at times in this rotation. I just wonder where he's going to be, because I know a lot of people are extremely high on him. I've watched this film. I've seen him play off-ball linebacker a lot for USC. True. Um, so the development is definitely going to have to come from him. He's going to have to develop. Daryl Tapp, go get your hands on him every single day at practice. Bulls. You have to make sure you're working on his hand placement and his pass rush moves. He's got a lot of talent. He's got bend. He's got a lot of explosiveness. Uh, I think the other players in front of him, and every one of them, are just farther along right now. This is going to be a tough room for him to be able to find playing time. And keeping players like Kamoko Ture, Char- uh, Charles Aminahue, Jordan Willis, Kerry Hyder, make it more difficult for him to get on the field. Extremely. So man. I wonder at what point do we see him? Because I think a lot of people wanted to thrust him out there into the early rotation. And I just don't see that happening. No. So I wondered if Kamoko Ture versus Drake Jackson ends up being a training camp battle. 
I think it ends up being a training camp battle. The question just becomes, it, is, it, is it a training camp battle in the sense that if Drake Jackson wins the battle that Kamoko Ture is gone? Or is it just one of those things where they're they're pairing them up and having them battle to see who's going to take the more prominent role in the rotation as, as the developmental pass rusher, as not the developmental pass rusher, but just the situational pass rusher, the guy who plays on the edge opposite of Bosa on certain downs and distances and situations, or when Bosa needs a break, when Bosa needs a breather, who's the next guy to step up? Maybe that's what they're doing. But I have no freaking idea because at the end of the day, the Niners have done something with this D-line that I didn't think was possible. And that was to take something that was great, that was special, that was phenomenal, it was fantastic. It's it's the identity of this team. It's the thing that you can count on and know it's going to be operating at its best and its fullest. And they somehow made it better. Yeah, they did. I don't even know how. Yeah, and Paul says Bosa also needs a backup. I think I think that the backup is going to be Charles Aminihue. That's what I, I would, think. I would say he's the front runner. Yeah, I think Charles Aminihue comes in. I think they got a nice rotation going. There's going to be a battle to see who comes in for Samson Ebucom, mm. you know, in on that other side. But Jordan Willis did it last year. He could do it. Uh, Kamoko Ture could, of course, do it and bring a speed element. Uh, Drake Jackson could throw himself in the mix, but we already know Kerry Hyder did it in 2020. Yeah. So all those guys could fill in. They've got a a plethora of, of guys that can handle this situation. It really does. I mean, like I said, it, it's overwhelming. The D line is overwhelming, and it truly does feel like it's too many. Uh, but I would agree with you in this one sense is that you can't have too many. No. You're, you really can't. Um, outside of Bosa, no one on that front, on that front, on the edge especially, outside of Bosa, no one has separated themselves truly in terms of being light years ahead. So having a guy, a bunch of guys you can rotate through and play the hot hand as it may be on certain games or drives and things of that nature is fine. And on the interior, other than Eric Armstead, there really hasn't been anyone that has shown themselves to be a dominating force. They are on the interior. So having guys and names and options to rotate and cycle through and find the formula that works or find the hot hand as it may be, um, it is not a bad problem to have. Yeah, right. Because, I mean, now you can play different guys with different skill sets against different matchups. True. If you have an offensive tackle that's really, really good at anchoring down but not as good at handling the speed rush, hello, Kamoko Ture, Samson Ebicom. He's going to go out there and handle it around the edge. But if you have a guy that's not good at anchoring down that is really good at handling the speed rush, now you can put a Charles Aminahue or Jordan Willis or one of these big physical Kerry Hyder guys that can go in there and get a little bit of push and back him down. So it affords Chris Caceric some matchup versatility, which I'm sure he would love. Uh, listen, it, Bruce Bochy loved himself some lefty righty matchups <laughs> did. with the Giants. I mean, it was felt like it, there were there were games and in situations where it felt like every batter it was it was being flipped, and he was just pulling in the next guy and just I'm going to do what I want to do here. Yeah, and maybe we see a little bit of that from uh, Coach Kasarek this year. We see some flip flopping like crazy all over the place. Um, and look at with the other thing too to keep in mind with this is that with Bosa's versatility as well. And basically decision-making in terms of what side of the line he wants to be on, it also affords you different ways to construct and where people need to play and also where their comfort level is because maybe some guys are only comfortable coming off of one side with their technique and their form and other guys the other side. And so having options and the ability to see, hey, Bosa's feeling this right now. We need to go this route with these guys to put everyone in the best position is is going to factor as well. Yeah, and we know Chris Kisarek has given you know Nick Bosa the opportunity to go to wherever he wants. Uh, he's able to choose which side he wants to line up. Do you up. see Bosa filling the key role then? He, he, he could. Does he decide to fill it? He I, could, I mean, right? I think the 49ers would, 
it would be it would benefit them very much to move Bosa wherever the heck he wants to go, whether that's inside matchups or not. Um, moving Bosa around and kind of where's Waldo when it comes to Bosa for offensive line means that they have to determine where he's at and then adjust blocking sure. accordingly before sure. the snap. If they get out of the huddle late and Nick Bosa moves late, uh, that could be something that could completely mess up an offense and uh, that could really throw a play caller off. So uh, the way that they were handling the chipping using you know wide receivers running backs up chip chip nicks both off the outside moving him inside is not a bad idea and also flipping him pre-snap is not a bad idea either uh very very true answer very very true and i expect to see all of it from san francisco in this in this front four and oh man tell you what it's going to be one of the more crazier battles that, that goes on this this, this preseason this this whole offseason that's been the talk and and especially here on this channel but the preseason it's in and of itself in this position battle is going to be lights out the energy that chris kasarik and daryl tap bring at practices is insane and i imagine with all of the names that they have and how many guys are going to be foaming at the mouth to make this <laughs> team at that spot yeah it's going to be insane i actually kind of feel bad for the offensive line yeah i truly do well the offensive line is going to be put through it i oh, mean yeah. they're going to get the work i mean we're going to know how good jake brendan is real quick uh, because he's going to be lined up against some of the better interior guys and I want to see what kind of matchups he's able to handle and when they do throw some of these speed rush guys from the outside on the inside you know how is he going to be able to give help it's going to be fun I'm, I'm curious how it all works out but that's the great thing about this defensive line being so good it's going to make the offensive line better uh, very true and to Mr. Corey says he's going to buy McGlinchey a beer and wear his jersey if Ken Law gets five and a half sacks as someone had asked Ken Law five and a half sacks that would be a lot of sacks for Javon Kinlaw. Seeing as we haven't seen him rack up more than about one and a half, two, I think was it was his first year. Yeah, but I mean, if he plays seventeen games, true, um, playing next to a guy like Eric Armstead, Armstead didn't play on the interior when Kinlaw played in twenty twenty. No, he played exterior. Yeah, yeah. and it was a completely and, different. And, and no DJ Jones. And no Nick Bosa. Yeah, uh, so true. there was a big difference between that. Now, I, do I think Kinlaw's going to get a lot of opportunities on third down? No, so he's going to have to do it on early downs. But five and a half sacks is there's a potential for that. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I think that would be a great year for Javon Kinlaw. Be a huge year. The 49ers would feel really good about that. And Paul's taking the receipt because he said he did. He's the one that said five and a half sacks there for Kinlaw. Um, so I like it. Uh, so that'll be fun. And what's up, David Villa? How's it going? How you doing, David? Yeah. Hey, how are you doing? Good, sir. Uh, look, you go from that ant to you go straight straight back, ant, directly behind them to the linebacker room. And I would argue that there is really no bubble players here at this spot. I think you and I both believe you have your three. Um, you have your three guys there. You have Demetrius Flanagan fouls that maybe you, you feel one way or the other. Uh, and, and then you have Oren Burks. You have those five guys. Do you think they keep five, or do they only roll with four? Yeah, I think they're keeping five. There and I go. think the re the reason is Oren Burks is a great special teams player. Demetrius Flanagan fouls, a great special teams player. Both of them are going to be very good backups for this uh, linebacker group. I think this is the better, the, one of the better linebacker groups the Niners have had in the last, you know, five or six years. Mm -hmm. um, so I think top to bottom, it's a good group, and they're going to help you in other ways too. It's going to be hard. I mean, the only other option is maybe Robinson possibly getting on this roster. I don't know. It seems it seems unlikely. It seems the Demetrius Flanagan fouls has earned the respect of this coaching staff in this room. He's continued to grow and develop. It was a little spotty last year. It got better as the year progressed. Definitely got better the second half of that Chicago game, Ant. And then you have Oren Burks, who you brought in. You have a new special teams coach who's pushing for some guys and some names, Burks being one of them. So it feels like your five guys are etched in stone. That's what it's going to be, which is fine, because now you can move back to the safety room. You can move back further than that, Ant, to your safeties before we get to the perimeter of the corners. And I don't know if it's not set but is there a bubble anywhere? Like, is is there a is there really a bubble? Because it, it does truly feel like that 
Tarverius Moore is kind of just out unless he's not. And if he's not out, then that is what what are we doing? What is the safety yeah. room doing? I think we I think it's real clear that there are three absolute locks. Hundred uh, percent. It's it's Jimmy Ward, Talano Ufanga, and of course George Odom because of the special teams and the money that they paid him. Those are those are locks. Uh, and then after that, it's got to be Tarverius Moore. He's competing against two undrafted free agent rookies, yep. uh, Leon O'Neill Jr. and of course Taylor Hawkins from San Diego State, who are good players. But they're not Tarverius Moore. No. Tarverius Moore runs a 4-3. Tarverius Moore has a lot of range. And he has starting experience in the league for the 49ers. In the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't see him being a bubble player. I think they're going to roll with those four guys if healthy. And I think they'll try to get Leon O'Neal or uh, Taylor Hawkins to the practice squad. That'll be one of the safeties that they roll with. True. Uh, but to me, they're four deep. And I think they're pretty set in stone of what they're going to be. Just like the linebackers were pretty set in stone, I think they're pretty set in stone in line, at safety as well. That's the only, the only reason I have any sort of question questions at all whatsoever is if Tarverius Moore isn't elevating over uh, over a Talanoa Hufanga um, and yes you like his, his depth there and his, his options and what he can do what does his health look like is health the reason why he's not elevated there and, and is being kind of kept down because if he's not 100% healthy then there is 100% an opportunity a possibility for the two gentlemen you just talked about both Hawkins and both Leon O'Neill Jr. to be able to slide in and try and elevate themselves because you don't have a healthy Tarverius Moore and if that's the case, I would imagine they would do something like put him on the pup list rather than roll him out there on on this football team. But I don't know. I don't know exactly what's happening, what they want to do with this situation. It doesn't feel like there's a bubble, but you never know. Yeah, I don't think there's a bubble until they get you know somebody really pushing him. True. Uh, and we don't know we're going to get out of the the two undrafted free agents. Uh, if Leon O'Neill or Taylor Hawkins came out there and started you know having great reps and making big time plays, then you could feel Tarverius you know more start to come up into a bubble. Uh, but I, I really don't think. And then, you know, Lou is throwing out there, of course, about uh, Dante as well, playing mm, playing safety. Could that down. put Tarverius more on the bubble? Now, that very well could. And and that's where I was going to get to once we actually got to the cornerback room. I was going to try and circle back into this yeah. and, and talk about it. Uh, but the reality is, is that Dante Johnson does open a lot right. of doors and ask open a lot of questions that need to be answered and asked. Um, is Tarverius more the option for this group? Is Dante Johnson someone who has position versatility and can do a lot of different things in a lot of different spots more important and more vital to this team and being able to have guys that you trust be able to fulfill and, and do a lot of different roles and tasks? Maybe, maybe that's what you want. Or maybe you feel like you have a better chance of getting Dante Johnson to your practice squad than you do with Tarverius Moore. And you go that route. And if you need to make that decision, DJ allows you and affords you that, that opportunity to make that decision down the road instead of right now. Yeah, I don't think Tarverius Moore would make it to the practice squad. I think someone would take a flyer on his, you know, four three speed uh, with his size and weight. He's a great combination of size and speed and and weight, you know, and speed. I just don't think he would make it. I think it is more likely for a Dante Johnson to make it to the practice squad. Um, Dante Johnson does have the position versatility that everyone would like to have—a guy mm -hmm. that can play safety and corner, and not just outside corner, but nickel corner as well. He can do it all. I, I love that. There's like a couple of guys on this team that can do that, and one of them is Jimmy Ward. Um, but this, this this cornerback room is going to be absolutely ridiculous as well uh, because there are so many guys that could be on the bubble and guys that they just drafted. And I don't like putting guys who are just drafted on the bubble. They have to be. They, but they have to be because you have Traverius Ward. He's a lock. You have Emmanuel Mosley, absolute lock. Ombre Thomas, lock. lock. A healthy Jason Verrett is a lock. Yeah, but do we know he's healthy right we now? We don't, and that opens that opens questions because yeah. if he is healthy, then there's less spots available. If he's not healthy, there's more spots available. But even if there's more spots available, and 
there's still a lot of names. You still have Tariq Castro Fields. Yeah. You still have Samuel Womack. You still have Darquez Donald. You still have Dante Johnson. I mean, there's still names. There's still opportunities. There's still Diamond Lenore. For God's sakes, he just drafted the kid. And he's on the bubble. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, Diamond Lenore and Samuel Womack, both fifth round picks, are both on the bubble right now to make this roster because of the amount of talent that they have. And you're right, if Jason Verrett is a lock, uh, you have four guys already set. That means two spots are available. We don't know if any of those guys, they're all outside corners, are any of them going to slide into the nickel? That means Darquez Denard, Dante Johnson, Samuel Womack, Diamond Lenore are competing for two spots. So this is means we just named we just named four guys. Um, if if Verrett is healthy, your first three that's that's your those your two starting corners in your nickel. Then you have Ombre, who's your out backup outside for either one. So what else do you need? Some people would say, well, you need another nickel guy. And so if any no if none of those other guys can move inside, then that means there really isn't two free spots because then Darquez Denard kind of slots in as that backup and maybe he's that fifth option. He's that fifth guy. That's one spot for a handful plethora of guys. Yeah, and I think when you're looking at it, if, if we go with those four that we talked about, right? True. Ward, Mosley, uh, Verrett, and then Ombre Thomas. Let's let's take those four guys and put them over here. Then you have two veterans and two young guys. I mean, of course, we have undrafted free agents like Quantrez Knight True. and those guys, but those guys are like really on the They, they really... Yeah, I mean, their, their bubble's about to pop. Um they're, as as they say on ESPN, right when you're making your brackets or whatever it is, and uh, they're the first. He's the first four out. Yeah, he's in the first four out category. You're right. <laughs> uh, so you got those. My the likelihood would be one of those veteran guys make it. So Dante Johnson versus Darquez Denard, mm-hmm. and one of the young guys make it. Diamond Lenore versus Samuel Womack, or uh, Fa- or Castro Fields. Or uh, I forgot about Tariq Castro Fields. He's in the hunt as well. I mean, he was the only reason. Here's the thing, right? He's in the hunt because he was drafted. If he was an undrafted free agent, he'd be in the same boat as Quantero's night. He's the first four out. But because you brought him in, you took a flyer on him late in this draft after you took Womack, re-signed Darquez Denard before that, had Dante Johnson still being a part of this roster, re-signed him. You just drafted Demo, and the fact that they took Tariq Castro Fields means he's going to have an opportunity. Yeah, I think this is going to be an absolute battle. I really do. Uh, The secondary from last year where it looked like it was barren land. Uh, You had Some guys are really good, and then it was just like, whoa. Uh, To this year where it's absolutely stacked with a lot of very talented players. I mean, we could show up on August 30th and be talking about Yamalu Lenore being released after the fact of how high they were on him, hoping they're going to get him to the practice squad. Um, I know that there has been a little conversation. In fact, uh, uh, Luke Luna brought it up in comment section, was what if Lenore moved to safety? Um, could the 49ers ultimately Ooh. try to move him to safety? Now, there hasn't been any talk about them actually doing that. He hasn't got any reps. Uh, there ha- also hasn't been very much reps of him playing in the nickel, uh, which is interesting because everyone thought he was going to be a nickel corner when he got drafted. I know, I know we did. Yeah, so, uh, but would that make sense, a guy that's 5'10", 200 pounds, that runs a 4'5'40"? It doesn't feel like it. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it would make sense, And but crazier things have happened. Um, there, have been, there have been crazier things that have occurred in, in the NFL, and if you're the Niners and you draft this guy in the fifth round, you're going to try and do anything you can to see if this can work and if this makes sense. Um, but the reality is, is that you drafted Samuel Womack, another guy, right? You're roughly in that spot that nobody had any idea who this kid was. Nobody. Nobody on draft day was in the comment section going, man, Samuel Womack, what a steal, baby. What an absolute golden goose egg of a find. Nobody was feeling that way. Yeah. So all I want to think was, is, man, they must really not be that high on Diamond the Lenore. It has to be that because I don't know who this guy is. I, I don't, I don't. The Niners obviously love him because there's a good chance that nobody was going to touch him before the sixth or seventh round if if nobody else was had an eye on this kid. 
Uh, the Niners did. They go and pull the trigger on it. So Diamond and Lenore's got questions that need to be answered. The only thing that, that we need to know now is, have they given up on the Diamond and Lenore in the slot experiment? Because if that experiment has been forfeited and given up on, then his opportunity to make this roster is going to be very, very difficult. Because Womack is being teased to be able to do both. Dante Johnson can do both. Darquez Denard can do both. I mean, that already puts him in a bad spot. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I think the one thing Lenore has going for him is, number one, he's had the experience of playing in the 49 system for a full year. True. And second, he doesn't miss tackles. And Very we know true. that they're wanting to go with that. They like guys who don't miss tackles. Traverse Ward, Emmanuel Mosley, and Jason Fred, all good tacklers. Omri Thomas was getting better as the season went on, but he was a pretty good tackler at Michigan as well. They want these guys to be able to make tackles and plays. I just don't know. I don't know. It could could they go two young guys? Could they go Lenore and Samuel Womack and let go of Darquez Denard and, and Dante Johnson? Uh, we'll see. This is going to be an interesting way to shake out. I think with the veteran leadership in the top three spots, if Verrett is healthy, they could go younger on the back end and, and be okay. Uh, but they're definitely going to want to take Dante Johnson or Darquez Denard and throw them onto the practice squad. Uh, it's true. Uh, Mr. Corey here saying Womack is going to sing Lenore a goodbye song, and then David Villa hits him <laughs> up with the na 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 hey 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 goodbye. Um, I, it, there is no part of me that would have believed last year that this was, was a possibility, that you could be yeah. looking at Diamond Lenore not on the roster for this team, but it, it's the truth now. He is truly on the bubble, um, he, and he's on the dangerous side of the bubble. He's leaning, I think he's leaning closer towards towards Quantera's night than he is anywhere else. He's not leaning towards making this active roster, and that's crazy to think that so much has changed. I think he's got about the same amount of odds right now as Tariq Castro Fields to make this football team, and that is just nuts. Don't, don't sleep on my guy Q Knight. Don't sleep on. I won't guy sleep. Q. I won't sleep on him, man. But my goodness gracious, Almighty, he's got a hill. Oh, it's it's tough. He's got and, a hill. And looking at it, I mean, he's one guy that could definitely get to the practice squad. You know, oh, what I mean? easily, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. These these guys are gonna be getting after it, and it's it's one of those things where you want your team to be so much better at a position. Last year, that whole off season, that's all the conversation was, and now you look at it, and not only are they better. They're extremely better. Uh, this was a, a great move by John Lynch. They've insulated themselves in the draft by getting young players that look to have a lot of promise and still bringing in big-time veterans like Charveris Ward that can go ahead and get it done, uh, re-signing Jason Verrett. I like the room overall. True. Uh, and we aren't even talking hardly at all about undrafted free agents. I mean, this, the reality is, is typically when you bring in undrafted free agents, you're not typically supposed to be talking about them as guys who make this roster because mm -hmm. the whole idea is they're coming to compete Fill out your 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 preseason, your training camp sort of roster so you have bodies to get through, give you a good look, and then hopefully be able to find the guys that you want to stash on your practice squad, develop because you think there's a future for them in your organization. Um, if you're a team that is bringing in undrafted free agents and talking a, a heavy dose amount about you know what they are and how special they could be and what they could add to your team, you're typically not a good football team. Fortunately for the 49ers, Ant, uh, they aren't having to do that a lot. And typically when those undrafted free agents do sneak themselves onto the roster, they aren't guys that just are around not doing anything. They usually end up starting for San Francisco at some point in time. Yeah, I think we've reached the point of where the 49ers and, and undrafted free agents are like this. Someone's going to have to come out of nowhere. You know, I mean, someone's going to have to show up and just absolutely dominate uh, for them off. to be able to make the roster because this roster is absolutely deep. You know, a year ago, two years ago, the, the roster wasn't as good. And these undrafted free agents would be your know, realistic options to come in and compete. 
Um, but it's not. I mean, last year, everyone wanted to talk about Austin Watkins. You know, he was the guy. He was going to make big plays. He was going to be, you know, the sixth wide receiver for the 49ers. You know, and he, he's not even in the league. I mean, that's just how it happens sometimes. These undrafted free agents are, are good. You know, they have a lot of talent. Um, but this 49ers roster is absolutely stacked. I mean, one through 60, it's pretty really, you know, pretty solid. And it's going to be tough for any of these undrafted free agents to make it. I hope one of the undrafted free agents makes it. Um, that was always fun to talk about. That means somebody came out of nowhere and improved your team. But I think it's going to be really difficult because this roster is so good. Uh, it's loaded. And there's guys that were, that were drafted this year Ant, that may not end up being on this roster or could end themselves find themselves onto a practice squad. And I think you're going to find that across the league. There are a lot of tough decisions that are going to need to be made by a lot of organizations. And we'll see what routes these teams go. Some will go young and stick with the guys that they drafted. Some may go with veteran guys letting their young guys go, hoping to be able to sneak them on because they may think to themselves, hey, a lot of teams are going to be in this boat, and I'd rather have the proven commodity right now and see what those young guys see. I think a lot of people are going to go that way, and you may have teams that don't. You may have teams that go young, let the older vet guys go and, and release, and then you have these teams holding on to old vets and releasing young guys and going, time to build the future. The future is now. It is nigh. It's time to start snagging up some of these guys that we really like that we couldn't get our hands on in this loaded draft class. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and, and I like what you said earlier about the way that you use undrafted free agents. You're really bringing them in to get an eye on them, or, you know, look at them to see if you want to put them on your practice squad and eventually develop them into somebody that can maybe compete and contribute, you know, on your roster for years to come. But guys are going to help you in practice and special teams and running on the scout teams and all those things. Uh, so this is a way to introduce them to your organization and then eventually get to them. Uh, so I like it. I, I really do like it. And, 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 is that like you're asking what the jersey is, or are you asking who's the better player? Uh, this is a Kyle Juszczyk, uh jersey, actually. Yeah, it's Kyle Juszczyk jersey, and it's absolutely glorious, Gary. Yeah. And uh, Sherry with the brick-by-brick brick ant, she's not wrong about that. One thing, one piece at a time. JLE upping the membership for month number 10 and uh, dropping his free super chat. And that's always it. glorious when you get the free super chats. And hope all is well, my crew members. Keep the content Churning ant, churning content like we're churning butter around here. I love it. It's exactly, yeah, yeah, it's thank, exactly what. Thanks, it is. Jelly, and it's always great when Jelly comes through and and leaves a comment. Uh, hope all is well. I hope you're you're doing good and having a good time. And we're almost to the season, so this is exciting. Uh, we're only a couple weeks away now from uh, training camp. Yeah, we are. It's it's right there. Someone said it earlier. It's 15, 15 days. They thought roughly till till reporting. Uh, actually, I think they said thirteen days to reporting. Potentially fifteen till things actually get going. Yeah, it's uh, the twenty the twenty sixth is reporting day for players, uh, and then we'll see. The foreigners haven't announced anything. They haven't announced uh, when their when their practices are going to be open to the public. They haven't announced tickets. They've literally done nothing with it. Uh, so there's no news right now. Uh, front office is on vacay, and I don't blame them. They better get back, though, by this Friday, so that way we know more of what's going on and, and more of what's happening with this team because by this Friday we're going to be getting close to you know, almost being a week out, a full full week, seven, seven eight days away uh, from what's supposed to be going on with the San Francisco 49ers. So front office, uh, wrap up those vacations, uh, get back from whatever beautiful destination you're enjoying life and your family with, and uh, let's start figuring out what's next for San Francisco. Yeah, and John Paul says there's going to be some crazy tough cuts, but that means we're kind of good. Yeah, it does mean we're kind of good. Yeah, yeah we're, we're kind of yeah. cool. I'll be honest. The first couple ones are going to be easy, right? Cutting down to 85 oh, usually simple. is pretty easy simple. to figure out. Uh, going from 85 to 80, no problem but from 80 to 53 is absolutely excruciating uh, and that happens on august 30th that's going to be a tough one man the 49ers and, are going to have to lose some pretty good players that day and a shocking turn of events and first cuts are not very difficult you know exactly what you need and what you're looking for 
you put them through the ringer and you go, okay, you can't do the things I need. You make those cuts. Uh, second cuts get a little bit, a little bit harder, but still fairly easy because you're not at a point sitting there looking at those players and being like, yeah, you're going to be around for a little bit. And a shocking turn of events and those final cuts where it's like, hey, these are the guys we need to have here. These guys can help us win football games in whatever way we need them to win football games because things will change and adapt as the season goes on. You're not just building a 53-man roster going, we're going to do things one way for 17 games the whole entire season. No, there's going to be ebbs and flows. There's going to be changes. You need guys who can bend and flex and do things with you. Uh, you're not just taking 53 guys and being like, we're going to do this the whole year and it's going to be perfect, smooth sailing the whole way. Yeah, you know, and uh, Paul says 49 cuts should be like a second NFL draft. Uh, it's it's one of those things that's so interesting because you're so happy for the 53 guys that make the roster. You're so happy for how your team looks. Unless their name's Tom Compton. Yeah, but I think... <laughs> I think you feel bad for the guys who get cut. You know I mean, you're, you're talking about guys who have a dream to play in the NFL. And, you know, some of them are not only going to get released and get onto the practice squad. Some are going to get released and not even make the practice squad and, and get released and never been, maybe never even play. play again. So, I mean, we, we have to remember that that human element as well. Uh, but it is a good day for the 49ers figuring out how they're going to build their 53. It's one of those mixed emotion ones, but it's an exciting one. And in fact, last year when we did the live stream, it blew up. It was absolutely crazy. So, sure. I mean, we'll be. We'll be having fun on August 30th because I think there's going to be a lot of conversations to have about how the 49ers build their 53-man. It's going to be a blasty blast, TCC. Don't miss out on any of the content. Make sure you're subscribed if you haven't already. Hit the like button if you have not done that, that notification bell as well. I went one hour and 12 minutes, Ant, without plugging a, a, a subscription to this channel. I cannot believe I've done this. So make up for the fact that I didn't do this and hit that subscribe button today. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, notification bell as well. Become a channel member if you want ad extra additional content also over here on the YouTubes or over on Patreon. That's the easiest and the best way to join us is over on Patreon. Very simple process over there and actually helps support the channel uh, a little bit more than YouTube and uh, for reasons yeah it, it's interesting about uh, youtube but uh thanks everyone for coming through and, and talking with us about the bubble players for the 49ers i think there's going to be a lot of really cool conversations that are still to come over the next couple weeks building into training camp and of course uh training camp news is going to be coming at you fast and furious so that's going to be a lot of fun and once we get there it's all football all the time full go uh, I'm, I'm really excited about it, but it's always nice getting in these chats and having some good conversation with some good fans. Uh, you know that's right, TCC. We love you. We appreciate all the support, uh, and we'll catch you on the next one. And until that time, stay safe. Remember the right way. is always, always the 49ers, 49ers way. way.